And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. To the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do, you save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, We've got to wrap up, actually, part of a conversation we've been having for, it feels like, quite a while now. But, of course, we dove deep into the David Dahl departure and some of the news that's come after that. But one stone we haven't completely turned over here, though we've we've brushed up against it, we, we've talked about it, is what happens in center field for the Colorado Rockies now, uh, especially that it appears as though uh, Jeff Breidich has come out and said, probably not going to add from outside the organization. Uh, But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily an open and shut case about who's going to take over there in center field for the Rockies. It will be very interesting because, you know, center field at Coors Field is, you know, one of the more challenging positions to play anywhere. Um, I mean, save for a couple exceptions on the infield, depending on what's going on with the sun setting in, uh, in the right spot. And by that, I mean the wrong spot, you know, that can be challenging. I know, uh, I think Todd Helton had some issues over at first base based on how the sun set. So there are those exceptions. You learn some tricks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You learn some tricks to work around that and you're essentially fine, but there's no tricks to covering that large expanse of outfield there at, at Coors field. And so that can be a major challenge. You're doing it at altitude and it, it, it can take a real beating uh, on, on some guys over the course of their career. And it'll be interesting to see what they can get out of it. And in fact, you know, if, if they aren't going to go outside of the organization and they put defense first, that could mean a surprise player that we see out in center field that you might not be thinking of, but could be the guy that you see for over 500 at bats this year. Well, let's so actually start there. If, who you think? It, let, let's start with if you're going who I think <laughs> you might be leading into there because I've seen a little bit of speculation about test the theory, right? Um, we've talked about this a lot, that the Colorado Rockies have never had an elite defender, at least according to the numbers, they've never really had an elite defender in center field. And, you know, some of the guys who you would maybe consider going out and getting, we talked about Billy Hamilton over the years, maybe a D Gordon, some of those speed guys with the great gloves, but you don't know if they can hit. 
And if you're not expecting the Rockies to necessarily compete this year, or you're recognizing that the season is one of, hey, we need some things to go our way to compete anyway, so this might as well be one of them, is rolling out Mr. Jonathan Daza. Is that what you're talking about? The defense and speed combination of Mr. Jonathan Daza and the complete question mark of a bat that's never even had power at the minor league level. Um, you know, there's a ceiling there that you're not anywhere near as excited about as say Sam Hilliard, where you, your mind can start dreaming on like 30 home runs and stuff. Right. Um, or, or maybe even a guy like Garrett Hampson, who's got a, an all around skill set that you really like, but Daza could, at the very least, if they rolled him out there for an entire season, start to answer the question of how valuable is a great defender in center for the Rockies, for their pitching staff. And if you're going to be a pitching first team anyway, you've got to lock that thing down. You just have to. That's precisely who I was thinking of. We are simpatico there. Yeah, Jonathan Daza is, you know, I don't know if he can be a defensive guru, but it might be worth the Rockies to give him a chance. And again, if we're, we're talking about a defense first player in center field, which is something, you know, the Rockies have, have of course, you know, never had. And it's, it's something most teams have never had because, you know, you, uh, you know, there's been plenty of players who are, are more glove than they are bat, but you get something out of the bat. It, it does remain to be seen a little bit, what we could get out of the bat of Jonathan Daza. And it's, you know, on, on one hand, you can say, well, if, if you're not getting any offensive production out of your center fielder, you know, what, what does that say about your chances for 2021? On the other hand, you say, well, you know what? Elias Diaz, which we've said here on the podcast, that in, uh, in, in the right circumstances could be your best offensive player. So maybe you say, oh, we're swapping out the, the offense and defense from behind the plate to out in center field and you go, okay, maybe that comes out in a wash. And again, if it, if, if Daz is a little bit better and Diaz isn't as good, maybe that that's still a balance. But if, uh, if Daza isn't a defensive whiz and, and Elias Diaz isn't that, uh, you know, above average offensive player, a catcher, then you know, those are unfortunately going to be two big problems for them. But uh, I would definitely be all for, you know, Daza getting that opportunity out there. I would have loved to have seen, you know, late this season. We didn't really get to see much Sam Hilliard either, um, as much yeah. as we probably would have liked. So that was strange. Obviously, Kevin Pilar was doing a, a fantastic job. Now, he was, while he's a free agent now, and you might say he's outside of the organization, if they bring him back, that isn't necessarily – you know, a false statement that Jeff Breidich made. But again, oof, I mean, even spending $5 million based off based yeah. what we've seen from Colorado. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, how much are they going to spend in free agency now? Yeah. I, I that, that seems incredibly unlikely and it would be really hard to justify after the David Dahl thing, right? Yeah. Uh, unless it's like the end of the offseason, the Rockies have gone out and got a couple more relievers or maybe a veteran starter all for very low dollar amounts and, Pilar's hanging on and he says, you know, I'll take a one year, $1 million deal just to play at Coors Field, prove what I'm worth, go out and make some money next season. It's a weird time. Uh, you know, it was a weird season for me to have my best year, which is what he really did last year and go, 
I'm going to prove it. I'm going to go out and prove it. You know, then maybe. But if they sign him for the $3 million they should have given to David Dahl, then you just everyone just shakes their head even more about that. So and I'll, and I'll say, I'll say, you know, what? it's, it's okay. The Rockies can make shrewd moves like that. Like, I don't think that's bad. Like that's, I feel like it's, again, it's, it's smart baseball. These are smart transactions. Like again, loading up that bullpen, signing a bunch of, you know, non-roster invites because maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. That's fine. Like I, I'm, I co-sign that like, all right, you, you would rather have maybe a more established name, but at what cost? And again, we've already seen what that super bullpen did. So you go, uh, maybe that's not a good idea at all. I think we saw it last off season with the the backup catcher situation. And they say, well, we're going to, you know, they were just waiting to see who was without a chair in this game of musical chairs. Have we figured the rules right. out yet? Drew, yeah, I know, right? Figured, figured it out. They had a chair. Game of the podcast. Don Muni has apparently no chair. That's right. But they were able to say, hey, you know what? We can, we've got something here in Elias Diaz. Maybe they knew that all along. Don't necessarily think you can know who's going to be left behind. But you go, there's going to be a decent option left behind. And maybe that's exactly what the Rockies do with center field. They say, all right, we're going to at least you know, give the impression that Daza and Hilliard are going to battle it out for center field. And you go, that's okay. But as we get closer to spring training, and maybe we get better numbers or rather better information about the number of games that are played this season, Colorado says, well, all right, we're going to be playing this many games. So, you know, we'll get this much money from our TV deal now. And, and we might be able to have this many amount of fans and whatnot in. So you go, all right, now we've got an extra $4 million. Hey, KP, I imagine that's when, you know, that's what Jeff Bryant called Kevin. Hey, yo, yo. KP, what's up? Um, how about your boy? here's what we got $4 million. So, so they might not know how much money they've got left. I think a lot of teams are in the same boat for right. better or for worse. And as much as you would like to say, please Dick Monfort, like 50 Just, million bucks, which normally is nothing, but what can you can get so much. It's again, right. I understand my fans are frustrated right now. I understand. And you have that right. And I understand why fans would want to say, Dude, please, just 15 mil. Like, there's a decent chance you could get that back. You, you're not wrong. That makes sense. That at the same time, I understand why Dick Monfort and the Rockies organization would not want to do that and might say, well, you know what? Maybe in a best-case scenario, we can spend 10. We just can't spend that 10 now. We need to know what's going on going forward so we can make, make the best choice at that point. And there could be some decent options available to them still in February, March, maybe even April. Matt Kemp wasn't a thing until June. Yeah. It was even early July. Right. I don't even remember right. the day that he signed. I, I, no early does. July. So it was three years ago, but also a couple of months ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, I, I think they're going to have some choices. It's crazy to almost think that, you know, and in, in, it, it won't be a full half year, but you know, almost six months, but in four or five months, we might finally get our answer to everything that we're trying to do here today and talking about the Rockies center field situation. But hey, that's just the way of the world right now. Yeah, I, I thought of this analogy today because, you know, we had talked about who can they keep long term, who they can't. And I had mentioned, you know, the possibility of locking up Trevor Story. And somebody said, look, man, they're not going to spend all the money that it takes to lock up Trevor Story. They just cut David Dahl over $3 million. And I was trying to think of an analogy that that made this work. And it's basically like, you know, times are tight right now for most people. I've stopped going to the movies 
well, we've all stopped going to the movies and restaurants and all of those things because you, you have to, but those extra expenses that you just cut out, that doesn't mean that you can no longer afford your house payment and your car payment. So again, while we all very much want to appreciate and, and not minimize the potential of David Dahl to compare what he has been worth to this organization to what Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado have been worth to this organization, not quite fair to those other two guys. It's, it's, it's Again, it's like, yeah, you cut out those little things so that you can afford the big things. Um, and some of it's because they're already affording <laughs> the big things, the big contracts of Nolan Arenado and Charlie Blackman. And uh, even the increase of, of Trevor Story, um, you know, over all these years that they've had to account for whether they can extend him long term or not. So, yeah, I, I know a lot of people are inclined to say they're not going to spend any money because they've been penny pinching. But that may be part of the reason. Uh, we don't know. And and a shout out back to Lambo Media. Uh, I, I don't know if you all haven't been checking out his oh, stuff. I see, him. I see Lambo out there. I, I know, see him. I know you've seen it. Uh, the, the people out there, though, check it out. Uh, doing great work interviewing some of the ball players and ball player adjacent people in the Colorado Rockies organization. The interview with Nolan Arenado's mom was fantastic. So uh, doing fantastic work. Teenager out there. Doing the thing, living the dream, man. You're you're way ahead. I didn't get started until I was 25, so keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, we got Jonathan Daza as a very intriguing option in center right. field. Again, he's going to have to earn that, right? Because right. Right. you might even you might even settle for you know if another Matt Kemp type player, let's say, goes on the market, and the Rockies can sign a veteran guy real cheap. Shoot, you might you might even put Rymel Tapia out in center field. You're not gonna love it. It might look bad, but you go, it's a better option than let's say Daza playing solid defense in center, but batting, you know, near the Mendoza line. There, you know, there's there's a magic number. So he'll still have to fight for that in center field. Does it seem like Sam Hilliard is is I guess the the second most favorite? Or would you say, you know what? There's a scenario in which you could see Tapia moving over to center and plugging somebody else in left. Yeah, that was actually going to be the exact question I was going to ask you is, is the Tapia question is a fascinating one. And I, and I think you've got to tackle it from the perspective of Rymal Tapia at this point, because everybody else in this conversation right now is a, is a pretty big question mark. And Rymal Tapia, while you don't feel absolutely confident that his 60-game sample size is, is the new version of himself, you can interpolate if I may use that word, based on that, what he did in the minors, what his contact rates have been, his speed, all of those things, that, that's the guy he is, right? That This is who he is. And so if you want him to continue to grow and be the best version of himself, and I think he's really grown into comfort playing defense in left field. I think he's gotten better and better and better in left. I think he could be capable in center, but I think one of the things that we've also learned with Ryan Maltapia is he's a rhythm and comfort player. He needs to be in the lineup every day. He needs to feel that confidence to play his best. And when he feels like he's in a spot where he knows what he's doing, he's fine. So I wouldn't mess with him, even though I think he could potentially be the best all-around option. Like you said, if you moved him to center field and he really did sink in there and, and got his defense underneath him and became the proverbial slap-hitting, speedy, good defending leadoff man center fielder from the 90s back when you and I were watching baseball, right? <laughs> well, not that we stopped in the meantime, but back when we started watching baseball. And then you could maybe try to get some interesting pop out of left field from somewhere, 
um, and even have that be more of a, but I'd, I'd rather leave Tapia in left. And then, yeah, I think it's uh, Shane. Uh, I think it's a battle between Hampson and Hilliard. I think that's probably what it's going to be uh, with Daza getting in there if he can. And, and, you know, we know how the team thinks about trying to win as many games as possible, whether or not that is achievable or not. And I think those are the guys who have, again, like I said a minute ago, the highest ceilings. And you get a hot Sam Hilliard in spring training. I think you've got to ride that. I think you've got to ride the potential of a guy who has the power-speed combination and can also be a pretty good defender out there for you, though he's still getting used to center field. And then Hampson is the the in-between option, right? Hampson is the if he finally really starts to be a consistent threat at the plate, he's not going to be great defensively, but he's probably going to be pretty good. Got all the base running stuff, you know, that's, that's going to drive other teams crazy if he can be an on-base guy at all. Um, so I, I kind of like a platoon of Hampson and Hilliard and and let them figure it out over the course of a season and, and see who gets hot and who can hit. Because I think there's – a lot of potential value in both of those guys that we haven't seen yet. And it's, it's time to find out what they've got. Yeah. You know, I was, when you, when you talk about, Hey, there's going to be a battle for, for a position and you know, who, who's going to be the starter that could potentially end up leading to a platoon where you say, all right, well, the Hampson's a right-handed hitter. Hilliard's your left-handed hitter. I, I don't know that there's ever been a center field platoon. That's just the oddest position to yeah. possibly have a platoon. I'd be like, we are we have so many great gifted defensive players at this defensively demanding position that either one of them is just going to be fantastic. So uh that 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 is a bit strange, and I'm sure the Rockies will receive a, a decent amount of criticism if if something like that were to happen and it didn't work. But uh so so I think again, it has to be you know one guy that gets the the bulk of the start. So they could just build on that success and it's it's stunning to think about the difference between Hampson and Hilliard, both just in their stature. You know, yes. I, I you know Hilliard does have the speed that we know, uh, whereas I think Hampson it's it's it might be a little bit more consistent. The power is there with Hilliard, not with Hampson so much. He's got more of a, a better contact rate, whereas Hilliard's more swing and miss. So you've got two totally different right. players in center field, right. yet both of them, even with their different sizes both might be equally capable of, of doing a job, a good job out in, in center field. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know who I would, would, would favor in there because again, it, it leads you to believe that, you know, if the bat's more important than the glove, you know, Hilliard may have the higher upside, but he has the, the way lower floor where there can right. be a lot of swing and miss that really makes you pull your hair out. Uh, right. I think defensively, you know, while while Hampson is very quick, he's you know Hilliard. We you know is very fast and and has a degree of quickness to him. A good first step. I think I think Hilliard's arm strength could be the biggest asset out there. That yeah. he's going to have enough room to roam. He's a gigantic gazelle. He is a yeah. specimen. Um, yeah. So I think any any you know missteps or miss you know misfiring of, of the first step he's going to make up with his arm and so i think hilliard has the higher upside defensively and offensively that being said i, I think the the floors are also both 
Hilliard. So Hampson gives you more consistency. What do yeah. you want out there? It's yeah. it's hard yeah. to know. And both of them are so new to the position where you know Hilliard is, is typically been in the corners and right. Hampson's been typically up the middle, Infielder. but in the infield on the dirt. So it's <laughs> it's it's very strange and it it certainly would make for an exciting battle because it's usually not one you see. You don't see guys fighting for center field position. Uh, but right. in this case, it very well it seems like un- until we get that March, April free agent deal with Kevin Pillar or somebody else, that's right. probably what it's going to be. That's going to be the battle at spring training this year that that I know I'm going to be most exciting to watch. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be fun and uh, wildly innocent. I'm not sure if you're asking this about Hilliard in particular, just who does have the best arm in Rockies center field history. Uh, but Hilliard would. Certainly in terms of, of like pure raw strength, you know, if, if you're talking, obviously you, you want a guy to be accurate and we need to see a little bit more out of Hilliard to know how often he's really going to hit it. Um, obviously, Carlos Gonzalez, people forget for a while he did play some center field. There was one, I want to say 2010 is the year he played more center field, probably 11 because <laughs> that's the year I said, but um, he... So Cargo is the answer then, if you count him. Um, underrated arm, Dexter Fowler, a really good arm. Um, Willie Tavares had an okay arm. Willie Tavares could, could get rid of it quickly, not the pure raw strength, but really accurate arm. And he's kind of like a catcher. You know how like Tony Walters doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but he just get rid of it so quick? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tavares had the ability to do that in the outfield, um, I felt like, from center. Juan Pierre, a terrible arm. Uh, so he didn't count. Corey Marvin, Sullivan had a decent arm. Marvin Freeman has a better arm in center field right now than Juan Pierre. <laughs> right. Was good covering ground. It just was, it was, it was oh. awful. He, he, he was good defensively. And like, well, your arm is part of the defense. Eh, you can, you can subtract that. You can, you can get by with an arm. If you're, if you're making the catch in the outfield, you're, you're good to go. You know? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, those are the guys off the top of my head. Obviously, back in the 90s, I'm not going to be as um, um, encyclopedic. Not that I'm encyclopedic about modern Rockies history either. Don't put that on me. But Drew Stubbs was pretty good. Stubbs had a good arm. Preston Wilson. Preston good arm. I, yeah, and I think he mostly played left here for whatever reason. I'm sure he played some center. Kingery, I have no idea how Mike Kingery's arm was. I assume it was fine. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Quentin McCracken playing a little bit of center field. <laughs> I have now, no idea. The worst, according to UZR 150, so it, uh, uh, ultimate zone rating, breaks it down by innings played. If you want to take the worst defensive player in Rockies history in center field, uh, outside of Desi Relaford, who played one inning, and I don't think anything happened in center, so he doesn't count. The okay. worst center fielder, according to this, and so not his arm, but just overall defensively, is one of their hitting coaches, Jeff Salazar. How about that? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. We'll have to tell him that. I'm if sure he'll say, love it. If you say 500 or more, Ian Desmond. I was going to say Desi. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I was going to say, you know, if you open Black up to numbers are probably pretty bad, too, and – that's funny because Blackman probably played about as solid a center field as anybody has uh, in terms of knowing how to play that position and not let it eat you up. You know, he didn't make some of the great plays that a Willie Tavares or a Juan Pierre 
or uh, even Dexter Fowler could go and make out in center field. But those guys would make a lot more mistakes. Charlie Blackman made far fewer mistakes in center field than anybody I can recall playing the position. If we're if we're narrowing it down to players who've had a thousand or more innings in center field, granted, we're only talking a group of about seven guys. So if you make thousand the cutoff, you've got Juan Pierre is number one. Cargo is number two for UZR 150. And third is Charlie Blackman at negative 5.6. So, so overall, you know, right there. Uh, last average. year didn't pull down as much as I thought because that last year UZR 150 hated him in center, which was fair, yeah. which was fair. <laughs> and and not to, to jump around on topics, but the, the one funny thing was uh, for last season, the best, or rather since 2019. So if you take the shortened season last year in 2019, uh, the two best players for the Rockies just in their overall outfield by UZR 150. Number one was Jonathan Daza. And yeah. number two was Josh Fuentes, who played about two. <laughs> so I, either Josh Fuentes, you put him anywhere and he will ball out, or there could be some defensive issues with this the Rockies right now. Or he doesn't like the Rockies, which is well, also the- a possibility too. That's definitely true. It, it's 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 like WRC plus. It's harsher on the Rockies than it is on other people, right? Well, and that's just because the outfield's so damn big. Like, what do you do? Uh, we'll we'll have to jump back into that as well. But so, what will really happen, of course, is all these other guys are going to end up unfortunately flaming out for whatever reason. Rymel Tapia is going to get moved to center field, and Josh Fuentes becomes your everyday starting left fielder because he's actually hitting, and someone has to move to first base in that scenario. I don't know. It's, yeah. Do we now? Do we see one inning of Ian Desmond in center field this year? Let's see over under. Ooh. Actually, it would be a half an inning. So you got you got one half of an inning, which is also impossible. Uh, you mm. cannot register a half of an half inning. inning. It's nope. either one third, two thirds, or a full inning. So we'll say two thirds of an inning for Ian Desmond over or under. I'll take the under. I'll take so, the uh, under on that. So like, I don't even know if he's coming back. Yeah. And and I think if they did throw him out in the field at all, it'll be in left, maybe a little bit at first, haven't hit some here or there. I think the most likely thing is that they probably just buy him out at the end of that contract and um or he retires or I, I would I would take probably the under on one game at this point for Ian Desmond played for the Rockies next year. But we'll we'll see. I don't know. I uh, maybe Charlie Black. Two thirds oh, yeah. of an inning, Charlie Blackman over under. under? No, 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 no. Yeah. Not even an inning. Not even no. in an inning. Okay. No. They're, they're not going to do that. I would also do that too. But it yeah. is interesting when you frame it like that. You go, well, but I could see the game. Inning, I mean, I mean, in mind, you can imagine the game where the stuff unfolds and they don't oh, have yeah. anybody and they're like, Charlie, you got to, yeah. No, I would, but no, I think they're, they're you got to protect him. You're paying him how much and he's how old? Yeah. There you go. Okay. So since you put it out there, we got th- – this will be the last thing I ask on it. It's the DraftKings Sportsbook question of the day. That's not a thing. I just made it up, but it is now. I love it. <laughs> we we got to get them actually to have this because this would be a great bet. Who plays the most innings for the Colorado Rockies in center field in 2021? Is it going to be Garrett Hampson? Is it going to be Sam Hilliard? Or can you take like a long odd on like a plus 700 or something, like a plus 650? To get Jonathan Daza. Or just TBD. Anyone who's not on the list. <laughs> Brett Boswell, please. Essentially, yeah. Uh, it out huge. 
I get, so if so if I had to put my money where my mouth is, I I think it would be Garrett Hampson. I actually think it would be Garrett Hampson. I think he's he's just ahead of Hilliard in the in the death chart. Uh, I That's think right. you know they can give Hilliard uh, enough opportunities to try to get the job done, figure it out, see if he's you know able to get it done. You know, on on one hand, you look at at, at what he's is done in the minors, and even what he did at the end of 2019, and you go, oh my god. Like what is going on? Like how is this guy essentially not the next Trevor Story, who, again, by all accounts, was re- relatively overlooked in the minor leagues day one he, he, in the majors against D-backs, those two home runs, and you go, all right, here's the coronation of this future all-star and, and guy who, at a certain point, you might talk about for the Hall of Fame. We are we are still a good two and a half years, two two years away. Two years away from really talking about it. They have to be two really good years. Right. But two years but away. And in the minors. It's not an absurd thing to, to, to no. say. Right. Totally. No. Yeah. Well, totally. That, that'll have to be another episode. When does the Hall of Fame watch start for a guy? It's already started for Nolan Arenado. Uh, right. But River Story, uh, it, could even, it could even be a year and a half. Where, right. Where halfway through the 2022 season, he's head and shoulders the you know going to be the NL MVP and you go all right we can move that clock up just a little bit but nevertheless Hilliard and, and Story kind of have that same story and you go oh, oof, stop saying story so um, it's tough it's right there life, you know what I mean oh sorry anyway oh, story. let me finish long story short so um you ever see Toy Story so getting back to Sam Hilliard because you've got this one side that goes just look at the numbers look at his physique. Look at all of that. You go, this guy is a can't miss. Yet, how does he go in the 15th round? Yet, how do the Rockies not advance him along a little bit more? Like, why not at a certain point go, you've proven everything you need to at this level. You're already a stud. Look at your arm strength. Look at your fielding abilities. Look look at uh, your numbers you're putting up stone base-wise. Why did he not get, you know, maybe opportunities sooner or pushed along? And why didn't everyone in the industry – look and say, wait a minute, this guy is really something. We need to maybe put him up higher on the rankings. And again, it's we, we, we know those things aren't perfect, but there's yeah, we'll, a reason we'll why. Out. There's yeah. a reason we'll, why. And, and for that reason, I think it's more likely to have the guy with the just better overall pedigree in Garrett Hampson. And why the Rockies could lean that way, because they know he's got the better pedigree and there's right. a little more evidence of him doing certain things consistently. It's, right. it, it's this interesting trickle down effect that it's, it's going all the way back to the, to the draft in June, like you drafting a high school catcher as high as the Rockies did probability wise is incredibly low. It's it's it, for that to right. work out is difficult and is challenging. It also means look at Jordan Sheffield as a Rule Five guy, that was a first round pick, and he was developed by the Dodgers. So of course this guy is going to be something. Well, he went to Vanderbilt. Was it was a uh, an ace pitcher at the University of Vanderbilt? Great pitcher in in, in the, the state coming out of the state of Illinois. And so, but what what happens is you know the better pedigree you have going along, the easier it is for you to make it. You know if you were, you know a, a, the the fourth outfielder on your high school team and you're five foot seven. The odds for you to even play Division One baseball is going to be slim to none. Doesn't mean you can't do it. Okay, great, you did it. Now the odds of you getting drafted 
is slim to none. Okay, you sign a, a major league contract. You're going to have to prove it every step of the way just to get your cup of coffee. And so I think that's one of those interesting things that when you, when you look at players in any organization, that it, it can become really hard to say, you know, hey, give this guy a chance or, um, you know, to, to make these long shots work. They can work. We know they can work, but if if you have Scott Oberg was taken in the fifteenth round. Yeah, yeah. If if you check enough, if you can check off enough boxes, you're more likely to be successful than not. And yeah. Barrett Hampson has more of those boxes checked off than a <clears throat> Sam Hilliard right now. Uh, Hilliard's boxes might be you know bigger and better, but again, there's 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 a reason why he's not getting those opportunities, and so. To answer your question, why would uh, or who would the uh, get the most innings out in center field for the Rockies? My money's going with Garrett Hampson. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think that's also who I would put the money down on. But I, I would also put money down on Sam Hilliard to beat the the, the odds, whatever. The, and, and in a way, actually, Sam Hilliard always yeah. has. That's right. Eating the odds. That's right. Just by, by making it to the major leagues and hitting home runs off of legitimate all stars. Has Sam Hilliard beaten the odds? But I, I think he'll also have a, a a real career here. You know, well, but it is such a wide open window. We really just don't know. It could be anything from he could be one of those guys we go back and talk about. How in the world did everyone miss on him for so long? Or he could just be, you know, a fourth outfielder for the next seven, eight years. And uh, I think any of those things is possible. But yeah. I'm heading over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I'm placing my money down on Garrett Hampson. If you haven't gotten in on the action yet, you got to go and download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. And especially if you're a Hoops fan, because, and I know this feels really, really weird, because, like, I think the NBA championship was won, like, a week and a half ago by somebody. I can't remember who. Maybe one of those California teams. I can't recall. Did Los Angeles get championships this year? Nobody knows. No one was paying attention to that. But basketball is already coming back. We're getting ready for opening day again. And at DraftKings Sportsbook, they're giving you a plus 75-point spread on the team of your choice on opening night. That's right. All you have to do is bet on any opening night game. And if your team doesn't lose by more than 75 points, they won't. They won't lose by more than 75 points, folks. You double your money. So... There's a bunch of action going on this Saturday. Get in on it. Don't wait. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now on your phone. Download it. Use that promo code DNVR when you sign up, and you will get the plus 75-point spread on opening night for a shot to double your money. That's right. DNVR to get a shot at doubling your money on opening night for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or over. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. All right, Patrick. I think I, it's time for a special secret treat for the people. You got a treat. I, you know, <laughs> it, it's funny. I keep coming back to, to this idea about, about Sam Hilliard beating the odds because he's. You know, we we had him on our draft day show, and he I think he briefly discussed this idea how he bet on himself, where you know went to school at Crowder College in, in Missouri, 
and Wichita State kind of wanted him as a pitcher. Or rather, I should say the Minnesota Twins who drafted him wanted him as a pitcher, and he bet on himself and said, no, I can hit. I can hit when Wichita State proved it. So, you know, he's he's definitely beat those odds. And, you know, you've mentioned Brett Boswell. I don't, I don't know if he's going to factor in enough in the mix because he's still, you know, new to the game. He could get some innings in the outfield. Casey Golden uh, was another guy was that was – Boswell. Yeah, he, he threw out two people at second base and one guy at third base from center field, which was a position he was relatively new to. I was very impressed by his natural athletic instincts. He was also, if you recall, uh, people <laughs> spring training just before the pandemic hit. Remember that very short period of time that happened? He was hitting like 400 and had three or four home. He, he was kind of the story of spring training before it got shut down. And I, you know, it's a, it's spring training. And it's just a couple of games and I'm, I'm not expecting big things from Brett Boswell necessarily, but I will say in a very small sample size, I was impressed with what I saw, expecting nothing. Yeah, he, he should get some opportunity uh, with the club this year at some point. But Casey Golden, uh, as, as mentioned by our guy, Will, uh, he only played about 10%, less than 10% of his games in center field in the minors. He's a bit of a lumbering corner guy. Yeah, uh, I think Manny Melendez has spent a little time in center field, not as much of a, a defensive way as Jamison Hanna. You know, perhaps he was, you know, one of the, the big right. reasons why, you know, Colorado was able to swing the the Jeff Hoffman for Robert Stevenson deal is, all right, we know we know Hannah might be more defensive first kind of guy. Um, we'll, we'll see what's, what's up with his arm. But, again, he could be another one of those factors. And at and, and any point after that, you know, we've got a long way to go before we see, you know, <laughs> Brenton Doyle or, or Zach Veen. But those are guys where – you know, maybe if, if, if things shake out right, maybe the end of 22, 23, we, we, we see them. Again, that's that's in a fantastic case scenario. We know, you know, Rocky. You know, AJ's got Zach Veen sprinting to the big leagues <laughs> and making his debut at like 20, maybe 21 years old. I'm like, that would be exciting. Be fun, but... Rockies don't do that. And, and that's, that's no. another interesting thing is, is you can go back and look, and there's evidence of showing like they like their guys because there's a lot to learn to, to be a – you know, a, a big leaguer, and you want do you want your mistakes to be made at the major league level, or do you want them made at at the minor league level? So, you know, there's that. There's there's earning your keep. There's there's learning the Rockies way, whatever that might mean. You know, whatever, uh, you know, the beliefs in the organization, and um, you know, they they love letting their guys run and say, we don't care if you get caught stealing, run. So get the feel for that. Of I'm just gonna try yeah. to try to I'm I'm just gonna try to run off of this pitcher's first move or get a feel and try to you know figure out if this guy's going to be throwing a, a an off-speed pitch or something in the dirt because maybe I can take off. That's a skill that you can't develop at the major league level because you're right. going to be thrown out, you know, 10 times out of 10. So, you know, you're going to have to be patient. But at, at a certain point, you know, I think Brenton Doyle might be might be more likely to see in center than Zach Fiend. But that uh, – it's fun to think about regardless, right? Rocky yeah, there's the other thing is that the two high school players that they took with top 10 picks in the last decade, who I think they had every intention. And really, when you look at it, they did push very quickly through the minors were David Dahl RIP, <laughs> from the org and Brendan Rogers. And both of them had all of these injury problems throughout the minors. Right. And so both actually were like, if you look at it just in terms of, how many games did they play at each level? 
Like they kept getting promoted without spending full seasons in places and, and all this stuff, but then they'd have entire seasons interrupted by injury. So it would have been interesting had those guys not gotten hurt to see could Dollar Rogers have made their debut years earlier, at least a year earlier. I'm I'm quite certain that David Dahl, had he not missed an entire year with a hamstring thing and then half of a year with the spleen thing before even getting to the big leagues, that he would have he would have debuted sooner he spent like a week and a half at triple a and they were like okay dude you don't <laughs> you don't need this we're, we're taking you mm-hmm. and since then it's, it was always just about trying to keep him on there so if veen is really cooking i could see it it's gotta stay healthy and how much sooner does his dog get called up if he doesn't miss a flight right we know that story you know right. young minor leaguers they make certain choices and you know hey they they've got to you know pay the price for that so uh, you know, that's, that's some of the history that, that, that David Dahl has. And, you know, it's, it's something where you got to be cautious of bringing guys into a clubhouse and changing, uh, you know, or, or altering some of the chemistry in the clubhouse. And again, if you're not winning, you go, well, change that chemistry up. But yeah. You also can't have veterans and young guys kind of fighting. So you need to learn a certain level of professionalism at the same time. I think it's totally fine where if you have a young guy in a clubhouse that isn't quote unquote professional and do things, you know, the right way. What is what do those things mean? So you know what? You miss a flight, it, it is what it is. You you can have that punishment, but don't make that don't make that mean that the guy doesn't get the opportunity he should get down the line. Like as you said, Drew, what happens if 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 he's up a little bit sooner? Uh, what kind of lessons does he learn from there? And what kind of confidence gets built into him, you know, a lot sooner than saying, Hey, I know you're doing fantastic, and I know you really maybe don't have quite as much to prove at this level for the final two months of the season, but we're going to keep you there because right. this is our decision. And that, that can also do some damage to guys too. So uh, I just really hope we get minor league baseball back this year. So we can yeah. see Dean, we can see Doyle, all of them. I want to see it'll, all of them again. I know, right? It'll be nice to actually have that stuff to check in on and have development of the young players. All right, Patrick, as I was alluding to a little bit ago, special treat for everybody. Finish out on this. Since my team had a valiant, valiant win yesterday from Andres Galarraga in the Colorado Rockies home run derby, we're still alive. We're hanging in there, and we've got more of this thing to figure out. We've got to decide. Still seeding is up for grabs here. Who gets to decide the matchups for the elimination round is in the air, but I need a, a big come from behind win still. Patrick only needs one more left, up two to one so far. We've got this one for you, though, today. Our, our number three seeds going up against each other. Your Dante Bichette versus my Troy Tulowitzki. Mm. Initial instinct is from everything that we've seen so far. Seems like some of the thicker guys have fared a little bit better. And holiday story, both thick guys. That was super close. That was yeah. fantastic. Uh, and then it was Arenado over Larry Walker. Yeah. Super close. Uh, Walker with, with the prettier swing, of course, no doubt. That played for him well because he, he only barely missed out. Whereas Helton, by far the worst showing of anyone that we had. And we had big old beefy boy, Andres Galarraga, did big fantastic, tied for uh the the most in this this first round with 12 also included nine in regulation 
which I do believe ended up tying uh, Larry Walker, who who also had nine. And uh, and most yeah. overtime, I believe, would have been four with uh, Nolan Arenado, if I remember that correctly, because he had eight going into extra time and got four, which is a hard thing to do, especially if you're just kind of popping the ball up as much as we saw Todd Helton do yesterday, can eat up as much as 10 seconds. And I don't know, I, I, I could see Tulo maybe popping the ball up a little bit more than Dante. Maybe, I, I mean, I could say, yeah, we'll, we'll see I could that see that's going either way too. Been, that's definitely been the, the key, right? If there's a strategy, it's hit those lower line drive home runs. You just need the one over a certain distance. I think it's one over 450 and you get bonus time. I think everybody's managed to get the yes. bonus time though. So, except except my uh, fifth round pick, Nafi Perez, I was a little <laughs> disappointed. Uh, he did lose uh, eleven to zero uh, against your Ellis Burks, but no, no, no. Right. That's right. That's right. A, we didn't have that matchup, and B, I didn't have the guts to draft Nafi Perez. I didn't. That would have been amazing. Would have been amazing. All right. So I think uh, Tulo is stepping in first. Yep, Troy Tulowitzki up first. And with his first swing, well, he'll just put one on the moon to left. Ooh. Concourse? Yep, 503 with his first swing. Farthest first swing that we've had so far. And his second swing is going to do just about the same thing. 466, about six rows short of the concourse. This one looks like it's going to be good, too. It's out in a hurry, as is some of the internet connection. Out in a (laughs) hurry. Oh, no. We're not going to know what happened with these. Well, we'll know because we'll see where the guys you got four in a row, five in a row now. There we go. Even this out. There we go. This is why you need to buy a ticket to be in the stadium. Because if there is cable issues, Wi-Fi issues, you're there. You're live. There's there's no issues. Two out to center. Seven center. He's got five homers in looks to be about five swings, I believe. Or did he hit one foul? I think he hit one foul. That one just shy. It's off the wall. So he's sitting on five with 50 seconds to go out to right center. No doing. He's He's slowing down a little bit. Yeah, he's uh, he's not hit one out in his last two. And this third one, this pop-up is going to eat away a good amount of time. Oh, he's going to pull that one foul on the oh ground. Oh, my gosh. He's really in a rut. Tulo, what are you doing to me? Our man Will, Will not be in clutch. Yeah. yeah, Will jinxed him. Final 15 seconds. More like the middle 50 seconds. Uh, oh, Tulo. Five with 20 left. Is this going to get out? I think it will at 429, just left of center. This one looks like a deep oh, goodness. drive off his name. Oh, oh, 504. Sign essentially just beneath it at 504. So he will get extended time. If you can get this eighth one, he's sitting all right. Oh, wow. That'll get oh, off the scoreboard. What? The clock ran out. How did he get an extra? Oh, in? oh it didn't matter. He didn't get it up. <laughs> oh, the right field is going to be tough. Oh, just off the top of the scoreboard. Not going to get it. Seconds left. The ball's in the air. Tulo is at eight. That has been the lowest like we've seen nine. so far for a winner going into extended time. He does have nine. If he can get out of ten, he's got to feel pretty decent. That stays fair. Chance for one more swing to get to Just 11. Let's go, Tulo. Just nah. went over the hit the mitt. 
This one's got a chance. Oh, just out at center field. All right. Okay. That could have been the difference right there. Number 11 could have got it done. He does hit three in extra time. You got to like 11 home runs out of Tulo. How are you feeling about that one, I'm feeling good, but those, you know, those 500 foot shots, I think were, were killing him. I, you know, it's impressive that he had what four of them over 500, but I, I think he wore himself out a little bit and, and couldn't ah, that middle stretch. I, I don't feel good about this at all. Patrick, very I think much like his career, up. very much like his career, <laughs> it amazing was. distance on it. And in other moments you're like, what's going on here? Right. Oh, Bichette. And right away, Bichette, just nice and smooth to the left. Doesn't have to hit the concourse. Oh, he will. Oh, he'll one-hop the concourse. See, you don't need 500. These are going to get the job done. He's just oh, gonna go he's nice going to go nice and easy. hurry here. These aren't line yeah. drives like McGuire hitting 61 in St. Louis, that line Oof. drive. But they are getting out in a hurry. Oh, my this God, three in a row. Third. He's got three in a row, and it hasn't even eaten up oh. 30 seconds. This is and gonna be a fourth if it stays fair. It's gonna hit the truck. gonna land in Thornton. Oh my oh. gosh, it almost went over the foul pole. Over it's a very the foul pole. Foul pole. All right, he's gonna be able to catch his breath at this point. Oh, got got oh, I needed that warning track out. I needed that. So he's got four homes. Oh goodness. With a good 75 seconds left. This one's gonna go out left side yeah. with ease. 465. Five. He's got five with over a minute left. I need this one to fall short to left. Feeling good about fall this. Short. Fall short. Nope. Front row. That, 372. That's oh, a weak yeah, You don't need these 500-foot ones. Dante just showing you right here. He's just he's playing pepper with the bleachers right now, man. He's Is, got has it only been one? I swing. think only one has not gone out yet. I think so. That's going to be eight home runs in nine swings. He's got 35 seconds left before he gets to extra time. And this will get out to left center. My, this is a remarkable. I think nine impressive. was our most that we had going into extra time. Bichette's got that with 27 oh. seconds left. He is not Another letting put up left. a throttle. This he may win this one before extra time. He's got seven. Oh, takes Carlos. <laughs> takes one. Oh, oh but he's mojo. This one's going out. It's just a matter of how far and how long. Oh my gosh. It was tied 11 11. He's going to get one more swing on the ball. He's going to tie it in regulation. <laughs> he only has to hit one home run. Done. With, oh my goodness. Doesn't even need the extended time. Dante Bichette, 12 home runs with a dozen. Oh my gosh. So, what was, was it one or only or two that didn't get out? I don't, I don't even. There, I, it, I think it was only one. There was one that was a warning track out to center yeah. field, right? Oh, they'll actually show us. I think that the, was it. Uh, I think that's right. Oh, it's not going to. Sometimes it'll show you the. More than two. More graphic. than two homers than our next time. Actually, no, three. Nine was our most in the first. In a, in a, in a in regulation. Into time. In regulation. That's the word. He got. 12 and said, nah, I, I don't need extra innings for my shucky ducky fist pump. I'm going to do it in regulation. Drew, pick your job off the floor. That was amazing. Wow. That was, I, I got to say, folks, to make sure that this thing worked, I've run several simulations to make sure that things are balanced and that stuff, you know, doesn't look totally wonky, that the, 
the stream didn't drop like it did in the middle of the one we, we just did stuff like that and that's the most impressive display i've seen from anybody in uh, whether i was running a fake one since we've been doing this i mean he just that, that was ridiculous and i don't think he hit a single one over 500 feet but again that's Correct. not that's yeah. not the point like he was just he was playing pepper with the reachers yeah man fist pump didn't even he imagine didn't that center. he was all down no think about that think about the zone in which he hit it none to center the one that was the out was went to center so none none obviously to, to right field at all none to center and there was one maybe you know i think he, he pretty much the furthest he went to center was just like left center it wasn't yeah. one of those where like left of center i don't even think I, he went out that way he was just down he didn't go on. for the bridge barrier he didn't do any of that stuff he just kept hitting the ball out to left that at was... the end of the day this just tells you but shit happens, man. Yeah. You know what's funny? When I typed in for the, the stream to go live, it starred out his last name. It didn't realize that I wasn't swearing on Twitch. So it was actually, we just had Troy Tulowitzki versus Dante, star, 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 star <laughs> on Twitch. Uh, well, then, that that's it for the first round, folks. I have lost. I have been defeated, but that doesn't mean that we're done yet. That just means that for the elimination round where we go through and finally declare a winner patrick gets to decide what the matchups are going to be take his best guy against my worst guy could maybe match up his best guy against my best guy if he thinks that's the the best strategy whatever it is there's a lot of different ways we can do this thing uh, but once we start going uh, probably next week uh, it, if you lose you're out and it may end up being Patrick's guy versus Patrick guy in the finals just for fun to see who's the best one. And I'm sitting there watching and I've got nothing to do with nothing or could go the other way. Hopefully it's, it, it goes down to the finals and it's one of my guys against one of your guys. But we also got to find out which one of these Rockies hitters is the greatest home run hitter of all time. And Dante Bichette has just taken a commanding, lead right now he has by far been the most impressive performer in this thing to this point who do you have in the finals if, if you had to pick what do you think it again next thing it, it, it all could change ever so slightly holiday maybe wins his matchup versus losing right. it if he did the story who do you think uh we're gonna see in the finals regardless of which if they're team drew or team patrick right right i mean you know i i i think the has got to be there's one guy from my team who hasn't gone yet um, that I got to uh, figure out cargo. I think cargo is going to have an opportunity to, to be my, my saving grace. I've, I've almost, he's almost like my ringer. Like I've been holding on to him. Right. I was, I was going to count on him to be my, my final come through and win this, this round. If I could have gotten this one here did not. Right. So we're cargo versus Vinny Castilla is the one matchup that we haven't seen yet, but we will see those guys against somebody. It'll be up to Patrick in the next round. Who will be up against who, and then and then we'll have some matchups. It'll be good stuff. We Mix haven't seen a left-hander win their matchup. Um, right. Alaraga, Walker lost to Arenado, so right. that might not bode well. But right now, based on what we've seen, I, I think it, I think it could be a Galarraga Bichette, all beefy boy home run jersey. So to say, beefy boy, yeah, what a, what a reunion, man! It would be cool if we could be out at Coors Field. Watching these guys do this for real. Now, some of these guys are 50 years old now, but still. Hey, <laughs> like right, you Marvin Freeman. Marvin still. Freeman, we know, is bringing it at 85. 
And and we saw Vinny Castilla in, in 2019 at the the Broncos, you know, charity event that they have every year. But, you know, Castilla was was still putting them out. There's there's no doubt that he's still got it. Those guys, it's it's just a muscle for for some of us who, you know, guilty never hit a home run. You know, it 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 might hit a couple doubles, triples here and there, but never a home run. Just didn't have the power. I think for those guys, they just they know what to do. They know how to engage those muscles in the right way, and you just I don't think you you lose that. I think right. it's there. There's a great clip that I, I, I see once in a while on uh, on Twitter of of uh, the Johnny Bench bunch. I forget he had he had some show I think in the late '70s uh, with a bunch of kids, and they're like, "Come on, let's, let's if we root for you know Ted, Mr. Williams, you know maybe he'll he'll hit." And you know he takes his jacket off. He's got a Red Sox jersey, and he's telling the the batting practice pitcher you know where to put it, and he's still hitting it out at like close to 60 years old. And you're like, yeah. oh, he's still got that swing. Like mm-hmm. all he's got to do is just turn on it, and it's and it's gone. And and I think every single person that we we've selected here in this derby, uh, obviously the young ones that are still active can do it, but even the oldest ones, uh, even even Bichette, Vinny, Galarraga, Walker, they could do it again if they needed to for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Like I said, we'll we'll keep doing more of that throughout the offseason. Let us know who you think is going to win the home run derby, whether it's the individual or Team Patrick, Team Drew. You can, whichever way, you know, let us know. Uh, and, yeah, just keep hanging out with us. Said yesterday, want to preview again for you all. Remember, on Wednesday, it's the FA show. We have a whole lot of fun, and we're going to have just a silly amount of fun for this one because Patrick and I are going to be drafting for your viewing pleasure our all Colorado Rockies teams with an asterisk. Neither one of us is allowed to take a player who is an all-star for the Colorado Rockies. So we will be doing the Colorado Rockies non-stars draft. Non-stars? I like non-stars. Nah, they're nah stars. Good, but nah stars. Nah, nah stars. So much like we've done with this home run derby, it'll be up to you uh, to decide which team you think is better at the end of the day. Patrick and I will go through, we'll take players uh, based on our, our own criteria at all the positions and get some pitchers, get some relievers, and then you all are going to decide who you think has drafted the better team. Can't take any all-stars. It's going to be fun. Think about the players that you might draft uh, near the top of your board out there. If you want to set up your own, you know, <laughs> fantasy board, have fun with it. And be running with it. That's it. You can always make up a bingo board with your favorite players and, and see if you get five in a row or see who gets the most. Your favorite all-time all-stars, right? We're at Cargo. Right. Hey, you're an all-star. Of, of course, we're going to want to take you with an early pick. Matt Holiday. Although Brian Fuentes, ah, I wanted him for my first overall pick out of every player in the Rockies organization. I mean, right. but he was an all-star three times. All-star. So yeah. He's gone. So of those remaining players, who do you like? Who's, Who's the best team we can draft? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun. So join us for that again. The DFA show is on YouTube on Wednesdays at 405. The rest of the week we're live on Facebook and Periscope, especially once I can make the Periscope thing work in the middle of the podcast (laughs) and just make sure that you've got the podcast feed 
in your regular downloads. You're also checking out all of our other stuff on DNVR, whether that's TDSP, usually going on Fridays, the DNVR watches, we're watching the, the about to be season finale, The Mandalorian, having a whole lot of fun over there, the video game stuff. Just keep hanging out with us. When you subscribe to the DNVR.com, not only do you get discounts on hats and shirts and masks and bigger beer when you come back down to the DNVR bar when it opens back up, but you also get to hang out with us in our Discord chat, talk to us about anything and everything going on in your world and ours, and keep the Rockies conversation going as well. Other than that, just make sure you're following on all the social media at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. And you're just hanging out with us whenever and wherever you feel like it. Continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you. Bob.